you're listening to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We hope you're encouraged and strengthened as you listen to this week's message. And then one time we went to this place. This is another great story. We went to this place, and it was so fancy we couldn't afford breakfast, really. But, but, we, but it's this big, you know, big U driveway, landscape to the tilt, view of the ocean, gorgeous. We drop the ladies off. We go in the valet parking in the back. And these guys are all parking these really, again, very expensive vehicles. We give the guy the keys. Chris, is, and he's, Chris says something funny like, you know, you haven't, I bet you don't get to drive a vehicle like this very often. And the, guy, and the guy laughs, and then we were there for like 20 minutes. We were absorbing the patio. We walked around a little bit, then we were leaving. <laughs> and, 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 and good gesture, you know, I don't know what these guys make of a tip of a normal customer, but we broke a five. <laughs> we broke a five to give them our tip, and then we give them the tip, and it was something like, uh, it was something like oh, we need our car right away. Uh, we're not going to stay. And then Chris does something like looks at the kids. What was it? Oh, yeah, he goes, oh, there's probably no surprise to you that we weren't going to stay. So the kid got a big smile on his face. He, he goes, I saw it coming. I knew you'd be here about 20 minutes. <laughs> but anyway, we ended up having a blast. So to say that Chris and Laura are family, they're friends, but they also have great authority in the kingdom, and they have great influence in the body of Christ. And we, we do this, but we never want to become so familiar with people that we don't recognize the gift of who they are. And so we want to honor both Chris and Laura. It's so good to have them here. Um, and whenever they come, they bring life. And they bring strength to the body of Christ. So give them a big, warm welcome. Come on up, Chris. <laughs> Hallelujah. Good stuff. Don't screw it up. Wow. <laughs> and now I have to be inspiring, too. <laughs> Motivating, inspiring, life-changing. <laughs> and, no, and no pressure. <laughs> it's like a writer beginning a book. What's the first sentence going to be, you know? What's the opening line? Well, we're honored to be here. We had a ball with these guys, and it really was true. The guy just kind of laughed at us. It's like, yep, quite a car you got there. Thank you. All 261,000 miles. I bet no, none of those other cars have 261,000 miles. <laughs> and still running. By the way, last week I had to put a new ignition in it, Ralph. We went out to the, to the parking lot, and it wouldn't start. We were in Wellfleet. So I had five people in the car, and everybody's getting in, and I turn the key, and it won't even go in. It won't, won't so I, in my mind, instantly, I'm, I'm picturing a tow truck taking my car away. And 45 minutes later, a tow truck was taking my car away. <laughs> so, but God met us. It was good. We had fun, <clears throat> even in the midst of a tow truck. Well, 40 years ago today, my cousin... Kate, Kate got uh, married and had her reception at the VFW in Marion. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, Carol. <laughs> That's exactly what you think. By the way, if anyone's ever looking for a, a wedding reception place, I can put you in touch with a gentleman that runs the VFW. <clears throat> um, just need like 50 bucks and tell them that you'll pay for the beer. And um, my sister brought a friend to that, uh, to that wedding. That's, and she, my sister was a Jesus freak at that point in time. I was thinking that she was crazy. She'd, <laughs> she'd spent the summer bringing people over to the house, one of them Dick O'Reilly, who came over. And I was like, no, that's just not going to be the world for me. And, and so I'm at this party. And someone turned, her friend turned to Carol and said, uh, <clears throat> shall we go over and do you want me to witness to him? Meaning me. And, and uh, 
Carol said, no, I don't think Chris will ever come to the Lord. <clears throat> that was August 18th, 1973. Today is August 18th, 2013. Later that evening, my sister led me to the Lord. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> 40 years ago today, <clears throat> yes, the same day that she said he will never come to the Lord. <laughs> so, though your faith be small, he's always greater. Um, <clears throat> Matthew 22, it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranges a marriage for his son. I wonder what that could be about. Kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who sees his son doesn't have a wife, and this is what it is. It's like a, a king who arranges a marriage for his son. <clears throat> and it wasn't a shotgun wedding. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh oh, what happened? Um, no, this, is, this was the ultimate um, prepared celebration. So if the king of all kings is going to prepare, um, <clears throat> then. There's, there's something that goes into it. There's thought. There's intent. There's intentionality that goes into it. And so that's Matthew 22. And Matthew 22 is really the last great sermon beginning with 23, 24, 25. It goes on that, that Jesus gives. And it kind of culminates in Matthew 25 with a story <clears throat> of, the, uh, of the ten virgins. And the talk about preparation. That, that's really what Matthew 25 is, the story of the, the, the five foolish and five wise and people have said for years that <clears throat> the five foolish were unsaved, the five wise were saved. I, I don't see it that way. I mean, we can beg to argue, and that's awesome. Um, but I, if, if I look at these five foolish, um, they're foolish for one reason. But when you look at them, they're, they're, they're virgins. They've kept themselves. By the way, it, call, it calls them pure ones. So these are pure ones who've kept themselves. They're waiting for the bridegroom to come. They're, they're, they're sleeping with the other ones. You know, they're all waiting together, even to the point of exhaustion, so they have to fall asleep. So there, there's something in there that has this deep longing for the bridegroom to come. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then he finally, uh, the, the trumpet sounds, and five can get in and five can't. Now, there's, there's a lot of discussion about what, what are they getting into or what are they not getting into. To me, it's, it's the furtherance of, of entering into our kingdom promises and things, but uh, I don't see it as, as just um, salvation and, and non-salvation, so I, I see it differently. But again, I don't want to get into the, that aspect of it. But the, the difference between the two were that five were prepared, five had oil, and five didn't, they had enough to get by. They had enough to burn for a while, but it's Steve was singing that little burning, burning at the end. I'm just, I'm just, I just sat down and I'm going, oh God, I, I just, I, I want to make sure that, <clears throat> that when I run out of, of this level of oil, that I've got some more tagged along, that I've, I've done what I need to prepare, and um, that I'll just be honest with you, that sermon of Matthew 25, I've seen some of the, the greatest sermons come from Matthew 25 about. Five foolish and five wise. And yet I've seen a few that it, it becomes the impetus to tell you how you should prepare and what you need to do according to what I need, think you need to do. And so it becomes, in, in some ways, an insidious use of an anointed scripture. When I would control you because you need to be prepared. Now, this is how you need to be prepared. By the way, on the side, I sell survival preparation gear. <laughs> and so after the service, I'll be up here <laughs> with all the different kinds of things that you need to prepare yourself for what is to come. <clears throat> and so, um, or in whatever other way it's, it's used. You know, and uh, <laughs> it's, it's summer. It's, it's, there's new life. There's flowers. There's, we can actually go into the water. Um, I don't know about Rochester, but can you still, yeah. do they still swim here? Okay, just, just kidding. <laughs> it, those are like two weeks, right? In the summer that you, a couple weeks. <laughs> if we're called to be wise and we're called to prepare, um, uh, what are we preparing for and how are we preparing? And this has just kind of been on my heart. And I, I just felt like the Lord 
showed me something out of the box for me to prepare. And, and uh, I, have a, I have a friend who's an army ranger in, in back in Nashville. And you'd look at him, he just looks like the sweetest guy. And he's the sweetest guy. He's just, he's not real tall. He's not real buff. But when, when the outside shirts go away, there's a t-shirt. And you can say, whoa, the, the dude's built. And, and, but again, he doesn't, he's not imposing. He's not intimidating at all. <clears throat> but you know that he could kill you with his little finger. <laughs> and, and he said, he said that we were talking about preparation. I was, we were talking about Matthew 25. And he said this about preparation. Why would I not be armed to the teeth? I'm pre as prepared as I am, I'm never sure what the battle's going to bring. And he just said that, just kind of throwing it out there. And I went, say that again, real slow. I want to write this down. <clears throat> Why should I not be as prepared as possible? Um, <clears throat> and so I go, well, okay, what's my, what do I need to do to prepare? And when I hear that word, what do I need to do? In my brain, I hear the word work. What's my work? And, and again, I don't, I don't think that's a wrong word, uh, but used incorrectly, it, it can be. And then, so I, I, I land on John 6, 29. The work of God is this, to believe on him who was sent. That's my work. My work is to believe. The minute I stop believing, I start doing to compensate for what I don't believe in. The minute I stop believing, I work and I do to compensate for the areas that I don't believe. <clears throat> look in your life. Look, put a mirror up and say, okay, what areas do I become exhausted in? Those are the areas that you're probably struggling to believe in. Because when we work, we rest. Work equals rest for the believer. It really should. And so... Ephesians 1.19 says this, that he gives the exceeding greatness of his power towards all who believe. Yeah. Wow. So there's an invitation to the believer to, to find and hear his voice and let preparation become not an act of doing, but an act of believing. What areas am I preparing for are the areas that I need to, to look and find his already answer in that area. And then I believe in what he's already answered. Does that make sense? I thought it was great. Chris, good job. I just... <laughs> I do talk to myself now and then. So what we believe, we all know this, what we believe determines how we live. What we believe determines how we do. What we believe determines how we walk our lives. <clears throat> all I have to do is look at the, the a few months ago, the Boston bombers, the young, young gentlemen, they had a belief system. If you look back, I've read about what they believed in, the different activities they were involved, the sports, the friends they had. And then suddenly a family member brings them over into an area, the other side of the world, where the belief system is radically different. And they end up going over there and visiting over there, and they come back looking the same, living in the same apartment, drastically different. Their belief system has radically changed. What you believe determines what you do, and therefore their belief system changed the way they lived their lives, and they destroyed some other lives. And so our belief system is huge. It's hugely important. And I'm not talking about just the general, okay, I, I believe in uh, <clears throat> I believe in God, I believe in, in the Father, uh, I believe in the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit. We can go through the Apostles' Creed, we can go through Nicene Creed, whatever creed you want to go through, and we can go through and, and collect our uh, a belief system. But a belief system is not something you just hang things on. It's something that goes through you. It's a root that goes through everything that you do. Uh, because it roots you, it's not something that you hang on and hope to hold on I need to believe long enough. You know, it's, it's that old thing where you, you see the picture of the cat from hanging from, remember that picture? And the cat's hanging from the tree. Um, and you're just going, I wonder how long it's going to hold on. If that's a belief system, then it's my work to hold on. As opposed to a belief system that roots me and grounds me. And so what is it that, that roots me and grounds me? And, and um, <clears throat> I am... I'm one of them. I, I have, I got questions. Anybody else have questions? Yeah. Besides the fact that why did God make mosquitoes and spiders? 
Those are questions. I mean, I know when I see him, I'll, I'll, I'll know even as I am known. So I'll get there and i say, Lord, I, oh, yeah, I know. Oh, mosquitoes, that makes perfect sense, God. But on this side of heaven, I know it keeps frogs alive and things, but it could have come without a stinger. It could have just been a happy keto. It, it didn't, why did, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But when we run along in life, we hit a question, and then I, I look for me, I look for that root. What's the root go down? What, what, what do I believe about what's going on now? Um, we were in, in uh, Kansas City for years, and, and suddenly um, the Lord began to, I just say, began to stir the water. Now, he used people to do it, but it was his finger stirring the water. And it became disruptive, in a sense. It was, it was the... It was the eagle mother taking out all the nice insulation in the nest. And, you know, it's the, the eagle that's going, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> You'll find out. <laughs> Get ready to fly. What's, what's flying? <laughs> You'll see. <laughs> and, and so we were there, and, and <clears throat> questions are coming. What about this and what about that? And why is this happening and this happening? And then suddenly on the other side, you know, the, the Lord um, brings answers to your questions. And on the other side, I love the other side. And the other side, great. Don't you wish you always lived on the other side? <laughs> on the other side, you understand it all. But on this side, it's like, but I have a question. Why? And in the midst of our own lives and our own kinds of questions, he began to stir up something, um, and, and Dick's going to like this, because it came from uh, this particular scripture, Psalm 8. When I consider the heavens, the work of your hands, the moon and stars which you've ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him? I just began to do <clears throat> a little bit of study because, you know, spring came and here it's summer and we, we're outside. This is the time of year in Rochester you're actually outside. Besides, <laughs> besides just going to your car and turning on the car and then running back in, hopefully it's warm when you get out there. Or you go outside to shovel the snow so you can get the car out. Um, <clears throat> living here 36, 37 years, I just I remember that very well. <clears throat> um, and... The, the question, at looking up, uh, we had uh, a meteor shower. Um, what's the name of the dick? Thank you. I, I knew it was, but I wanted you to say it. <laughs> okay. And, and it's just, it was just beautiful. It was out last week and then uh, a couple of weeks ago for, for a little bit. And um, <clears throat> a little while ago, and it was, we had it here. We had a, what we call the supermoon. Supermoon was out a short time ago, and, and a couple years ago when I was here, we had the member, we took pictures, and, and Ralph would put his hand up like this, and it looked like he was holding the supermoon, and <clears throat> it's when it's 20% brighter, and it looks 15% larger. It's just amazing kind of a, a, a little thing, and you begin to look at those things, and go, wait a minute, wait. when I consider, David goes, when I consider the heavens, when I look up there, when I see the work of your hands, when I see what you've done up there, when I see the work of your hands here, um, you've done it for me. What is manful? Or what is man um, that you're, you're mindful of him? In other words, you were so mindful of me, you created something for me, and that you hide yourself there to answer my questions. Listen to this. It's Psalm, Psalm 19. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's no different than a preacher. A preacher may declare the glory of God, but the heavens declare the glory of God. And if it's the glory of God, glory is one of those big words. Uh, um, simple fact, most of the times through the, through the Old Testament, one of the words for glory is beauty. So we can os, uh, often put the word beauty in for, for glory. Um, there are some places you can't where it's a different kind of a glory. But he says, the firmament shows your handiwork. Day to day it utters speech. Night to night it will reveal, it reveals the knowledge of God. There's no speech or language that your voice is not heard. In other words, anyone in every language, every speech, your voice can be heard in any language, any speech on the earth. Their line has gone out throughout the world, the earth, and the, world, and the words to the end of the world. In him, in them, he has set a tabernacle for the sun, and he's like a bridegroom that comes out of his chamber. So I, I'm reading this through and going, wow. So you set this up. A, a man, a, a king is making a wedding for his son. And we have answered, we need to be prepared. 
So if my preparation is to believe and not just to do and run around like a chicken with my head cut off, if my preparation is really to believe and that the, the exceeding greatness of your power towards those who believe um, is, is available, <clears throat> then I need, to, I need to look differently at what's around me. Does that make sense? I, I, I need to not just go, oh, wow, look at the moon tonight. What, what is surrounding me answers question gets to speech that I speak and I can't, I can't utter the answer. And it's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. <gasps> there you are, you were hidden. And all around us, constantly, he is, he is, he's like that, you know, remember, if you're young, you won't remember this. But if you're older, there was a character on a commercial called Big Wally. Do you ever remember Big Wally? Does anybody remember Big Wally? Few of you. Okay, he was this guy, he was a wall. He was in a wall, and there'd be the woman in the kitchen. And he'd step out, hello. And she'd go, ah. He goes, no, it's just Big Wally, here to help you clean your walls. You know, and this, is, this was the, and I think, what a bizarre little character. He hides in the walls of kitchens, <laughs> unsuspecting women all alone. <laughs> and he just steps out, hello. <laughs> I mean, there's Mr. Clean, but then there was, it was fine. But then there's Big Wally, who was just weird. It was, it was like the Burger King king, you know, just run up. You know, running around. Never trusted Big Wally. <clears throat> um, but like, a, he, like Jesus, he, he'd be over there in his tree, and we'd be looking at it. Oh, that's pretty. He'd just step out. Hello. Oh, wow. Like a bridegroom coming out of his chair. I've been waiting for you. Just, just look at what I did. And sometimes we would just contemplate and look at what we pass by so quickly all the time. We would see him over and over and over again. And I believe some of the things we run up against and have questions, I believe if we stop and just gaze when consider the heavens, I just, I just think some of our, our questions would be answered. Um, Richard Feynman, he's a Nobel laureate in physics, said, said this, you can recognize truth by its beauty and its simplicity. So if creation is, exampled, is examined, I believe it must lead to the beautiful one. It must lead to the king's son who's being prepared. He's not being prepared, but we're being prepared for him. There's three different... <coughs> I ran this through a doctor of physics, this particular sermon. <laughs> so unless he's wrong, the information I'm about to give you is correct. He, he tweaked one thing and just said, don't say it is, say that uh, the theory is. I said, okay, thank you. Otherwise, he said, go for it. I said, good. So anyway, <clears throat> there are three major areas I, I, in looking in creation. I, where's Christy? Where's my seventh and eighth grade student? There she is, right over there. Did we have fun? We did. We did. That was so awesome. Yeah, she was a student for two years back in the day, and now she's 23. <laughs> Which makes me 41. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yes. Liars don't go to heaven. <clears throat> um, there's the macro, there's the midi, and there's the micro. The macro is... is is what is beyond us. The midi is what we live in, and the micro is what we don't see. And I want to just take a minute. It's a beautiful, gorgeous summer day. I would love it. My prayer was this, as, as I was praying about this this week, about this particular word, is that I was hoping that it would be a beautiful sunny day. My prayer is that you walk out of here, and suddenly something is, is removed from uh, a, a blasé pair of glasses is removed so that you see the bridegroom coming out over and over and over again. Because he's really the one that, is, that can answer your questions. And creation viewed points to him. Creation viewed answers questions. It really does. <clears throat> I know you're not quite believing me yet, but it really does. <clears throat> the earth. This is, how many like science? Okay. How many hated science? Okay. How many love math? Stupid. <laughs> no, I'm just... 
I love math up to a point. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the Earth is 8,000 miles in diameter. Everybody knows that. It's about 25,000 miles around circumference. Everybody knows that. And if you take one million planet Earths, they fit into our sun. A million Earths fit into our sun. A million. A thousand would be huge. But a million Earths fit into our sun. And our sun, ready for this, consumes four million tons of its own matter every second. Now think about that. In the time I went to say that, it, can, it has consumed, those 10 seconds, 40 million tons of matter were consumed. Now we can add another 20 million. 28 million. <laughs> How big is that? Well, it shouldn't last then probably another 1,000 years. No, in, this, in, this, in the time that it's going, it should last another 5 to 6 billion years. My brain just, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that commercial for? <laughs> the AT&T, AT the, the guy with the four little kids. Yeah, <laughs> How about infinity times infinity? <laughs> but that's, that's, that's how we should be looking. We, we, should, we should pull up here and go, wow. I mean, that's what I loved about Laura this week. <clears throat> we have a, a, some friends, Ben and Sarah Jackson, from uh, Toronto. They're, they're from England, but they live in Toronto. I've gotten to know them there over the years. And they came and, and joined us, and they were watching Laura out there. Laura went out there, and she's out there for about half an hour. And, and she, she's standing like this, and she hasn't moved. And finally, one of them goes, so what's Laura doing? <laughs> I'd already had to answer Ralph's question. Well, what's Laura doing? I said, she's soaking in every last morsel of what is here because she understands the, the beauty of it and sees the beauty of it, and she doesn't miss it. She won't miss a thing. And she's going, look at the color. See, that blue is different than that blue, and that green is a little more, you know, and then this one. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's green. <laughs> oh, the sky. Yeah, I see the sky. You know, I, I, I just want to, I want to go ride a wave. And Laura's like, she's just taking it all in. <clears throat> light travels at 186,000 miles a second. We know that the light year is the distance that you travel. 186,000 miles. I just went right over that. 186,000 miles a second. Seven and a half times a second it takes light to go around the Earth. That's unbelievable. Our galaxy is 100,000 light years from end to end. And we're small. The other galaxies look down at us. Yeah. You live in the Milky Way? <clears throat> Last count, there's over 150 billion galaxies. What? Is it, is it, by the way, has anybody's mind gone to the place where it just kind of turned off because you can't figure that out? It's kind of like when you talk about forever. Oh, I can get forever, but I can't get always has been. God, God will, we will live forever. I will never die. Yes, but God always has been. Oh, yeah. Well, where'd he start? No, no start. <laughs> it's like, what? Well, well, how did he? No, there's no how. It's just he. <laughs> and, and, it's, what? and so we ask the question, are my problems too big for him? Well, just look around you. Are my problems too big? Suddenly, every, it's not, you know. <laughs> what was, uh, oh, I just recently heard someone. There's uh, third world situations that we hear about in the earth. And then there's, there's a, a, if you go online, you can read first world problems. <laughs> that would be our problems. First world problems. So you put apple in my pancake instead of raisins? 
That's a first world problem. <laughs> you didn't put high test in, you put the medium? That's a first world problem. And sometimes our first world problems take first place. And we, we go, but our problems, you know, our problems are a whole lot. And again, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's situations or problems. I, I would never laugh at a situation that is important to you. I, I would never do that. I just want us with our own situations put them in perspective to be able to bring God into the middle of that and find the bridegroom coming out of them saying, I'm a whole lot bigger than this. I know you feel it. I know it looks like the end of the world to you, but I'm the end of the world. I'm the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I'll be there in any situation. And so then what happens is that we don't just hang on. Suddenly a root system goes down to I believe, you know what, my problems aren't too big for you. You actually can't. And suddenly our belief system changes because we look and we understand what is around us and what he's already done. Oh, when I consider the heavens. Oh, why would I consider the heavens? For that reason in and of itself. This one is just amazing. Oxygen makes up 20 21% of the Earth's atmosphere. Okay? If it made up 22%, 20, just 1% difference, the earth would be scorched by unstoppable fires. That's a drag. So what's on the news? Oh, the earth is being scorched by unstoppable fires. Oh, we're fine here. Yeah, but it's a mile away. Oh. Well, let's have that cold lemonade right now while we can. <clears throat> if it's 20%, again, it's 21% is the earth's atmosphere. 22% unstoppable fires. 20%, every living thing would suffocate. That's a drag. Yeah. Now, God arranged the earth to be 93 million miles from the sun. Beautiful. It's just perfect. Just, it's just incredible. And so we ask the question, are my problems or situations too complex for him? He goes, no, I made it 21% just to tell you that. I created at the atmosphere 21% oxygen, so you never have to worry about the percentage of your life and situations being wrong. I'll be there 100% of the time, 100%. <clears throat> we can be concerned. I, there's, there's situations, my, my, my life, our, our kids. I'm concerned, but I, I think God loves concern. He doesn't want us to be overwhelmed. Overwhelmed means that I'm owned by that situation. And you can look at the situations in your life. Does the situation concern me? Do I put energy into it? Do I do practical things? We need to do all those things. <clears throat> but I, I, have to, I have to make sure that at the end of the day, I'm not overwhelmed. I just want to read 2 Corinthians 4 here. <coughs> Verses 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not us. We're hard pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. I love that. We're perplexed. I, I love the fact that he says, you know what? You don't always have to understand everything. But don't be in despair. You're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also will be manifest in your body. Uh, those scriptures, they came alive to me many, many moons ago with a little musical a guy named John Fisher did back in, remember that? Just, yeah, I, I sang the song. I didn't know what it theologically meant. And, and then I, I'm, I sang the song, this is back in the early 70s. <clears throat> and then I decided, Lord, what does this mean? And I, I did a study on it. And it, I just, something broke within me about that, about carrying the life of Christ in me. And, and that he is, he's always there. There's not a moment. He's... Understand, right where you're sitting right now, okay, put your hand right, like, put, put your hand up like this. That's his face, okay? Okay? You can do that if you want. <laughs> he's always there. And then he's not just that, he's here. <clears throat> now, I, somebody, I, I did that one time. No, he's living within me, Chris. Yeah, I know, but I can't see his face when I look at my gut. <laughs> Sorry. Is my belly button his nose and his mouth? I don't know. I, I, he's there. He's just, he's there. He's never not there. 
<coughs> David asked the question, you know, why, you my, why me? I think that's a great question. It, it, it's a question that carries what I think is the spirit of humility that we all need to carry. I am not the one that's going to take care of my life. I'm, I'm the one that's going to believe that this one is going to take care of my life. There's a confidence, not in myself, but in the one who carries me, in the, in, in the one who knows every situation. There's, there's the, there's, we can go on forever with, with the Maxis. The, the MIDI <coughs> is the world that we live around here. Three-time presidential nominee. I know you've heard of William Jennings Bryan. <laughs> um, actually, we grew up back in when I was young. <laughs> we learned about this gentleman. <laughs> He said this, when you explain to me the mystery of the watermelon, then you can talk to me about the mysteries of God. I thought that was just a great quote. Why? Why would he say that? Because one watermelon, one watermelon, the things that we have, and we have games. Who can spit the farthest? Who can spit the watermelon the farthest? I love those games. I win those games. <laughs> Forget the watermelon. Just who can spit the farthest? I will win that game. <clears throat> Shall I diverge? Oh, yes. My greatest moment in sports. <laughs> I know you're looking. You were an athlete? Yes, I was. <clears throat> um, I went up for a header just to head the ball, and a guy from the other team went up, but he, I went straight up. He went this way to hit me, and then he hit his head against mine and knocked me out. I know you say, well, how's that your greatest moment? It's coming. So I got up, my friends, teammates, and it was halftime. Halftime. So we're walking back, and I'm kind of groggy, and, and he looks at me, and he says something, and, uh, and I said something back, probably not very polite. I probably use words I don't use now. <clears throat> and he looked at me, and he, he spat at me. And he hit my foot. And the rest of my teammates went, ooh. Because <laughs> they knew what was coming. And he goes, what are you going to do? And we're crossing over, because I have to, we to get to this bench, he has to get to this bench. <coughs> and I just went, <laughs> boom, <laughs> hit him in the eye. <clears throat> Greatest moment in sports. <laughs> I know you're saying, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> but I, I diverged from spitting the watermelon seed, because he said, one seed, one watermelon seed, listen to this, one watermelon seed draws 200,000 times its weight from the ground. Up to, I mean, it, some of those big ones, 200,000 times its weight. And so you ask the question, are my gifts too small? I don't know. What if God multiplied it 200,000 times? Oh, can he do that? Yes. Look at the watermelon. Open it up. Every time you see a watermelon seed, it shouldn't be the thing you want to get out. I, I want this out of my watermelon. I want a pure watermelon. <laughs> or it's not the thing, oh, let's spit. Let your first thing go 200,000 times. That little booger pulls stuff from the ground and makes another watermelon. That's unbelievable. And we go, oh, I'm just out of here. And we, what, what happens is we compare ourselves to somebody else. And then we think that our gift is their gift. It doesn't matter if it's the same gift. If, it, if it's music, it's not the same gift. I live in Nashville. I've been doing music for 40 plus years. I'm not a musician, according to Nashville. Okay? I'm a singer-songwriter. Musician is here. Take this instrument and play this. What are you playing? Oh, well, we'll be in F sharp. You got a capo? <laughs> I'm a guitar player. F sharp? What does that mean? I know which note it is, but, you know, there's musicians. And so I, I could have, years ago, when I first got saved, Dick started playing guitar in front of me. He sits down on the piano. And then he comes in the group, and he's the bass player. I'm going, what doesn't he play? Oboe and drums. He doesn't play oboe and drums. <clears throat> and so I come in playing guitar going, oh, well, I play a few chords. And so I could have at that time just decided, no, I'm not going to because my gifts are smaller. But that, that's not, it's do I fit and this is what I'm supposed to do now? Okay, I do. 
And then suddenly God takes it and he multiplies it. Now, it's not 200,000 times, but it's a good 20 times what it used to be. And I'm happy for a good 20 times. And if he's got 30, 33, I'm happy for that. But I'm not going to stop because I've concluded my gifts are too. Who gave me those gifts? <clears throat> I'm sorry, Lord, you're wrong. I shouldn't have gotten this gift. No. And we stop and we put our gifts on hold. We put our, we put our callings on the shelf. Because somebody, you know, why should I write a book about such and such? Somebody else wrote one. Yeah, it was 1903. <laughs> Everyone that read it is dead. It's time to write another book. Nobody has your story. Nobody sees things from your vantage point. There'll be things that maybe it's only a paragraph or seven sentences in a whole book that changes somebody's life. But if it changes their life, oh. I love this one. A peregrine falcon, fastest animal on earth. It can spot a mouse moving from five miles away. If it could read English, <laughs> I know it's, it's a long stretch, but their eyes are so good that if it could read English and you put a peregrine falcon on one end zone line, walked a newspaper down to the other end zone line, it could read the paper for you. I couldn't even see the paper now. <laughs> yeah. Can I have those peregrine falcon glasses, please? <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Peregrine falcon, when it's deciding to go after that little mouse, we, we think about, you know, the different animals, the, the cheetah, how fast the cheetah is. Oh, it goes 70 miles an hour. Peregrine falcon, 200 miles an hour. Wow. Monarch butterflies. Oh, they're so pretty in upstate New York. Just beautiful. They must live here all year round. No, they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> Now, actually, if you if you if you're in science class, you just decide to dissect a monarch butterfly. It has a very very small brain. It doesn't do a lot of thinking. But this it does. It flies north from central Mexico. For there's this little area in central Mexico, and it flies north and it goes all along and in northern Mexico and the south and it goes up into the north and up into Canada. And so that's little monarch butterfly that you see flying around at the end of the summer. It was born earlier in the year from a, a butterfly that flew north. It then lays its egg. The egg develop and it becomes a beautiful little monarch butterfly. It goes through the whole process that we know about. And then it, at, the, at some point in time, it just goes, what's wrong, dude? I, I don't know. I got to go. <laughs> uh, what do you mean you got to go? Just, just go behind the bushes. No, 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 I don't mean that. I mean, I got to leave. Leave? What do you mean? We're so independent. Oh, whoa. You feel it too? I do. Well, let's go. Where are we going? I don't know. <laughs> and it flies back to the exact field that its parents came from. It comes from North Chile, New York, and flies. It's not like, you know, the geese flying north. And then they fly south, and they go by the butterflies. <laughs> Poor things. <laughs> and they're little, <laughs> they're doing that. And it takes them forever to get down there. <clears throat> but they go back to the exact same, exact same field. And if, if you ever seen pictures of it, look sometime. Monarch butterfly, central Mexico. Do a, do a little Google sometime and just watch what comes up. And the field, it's just orange. Orange and black. It's it's billions of monarch butterflies all over. It's unbelievable. And you can just walk through there and pick them up and step on them and pick them up and step... No, sorry. <laughs> They're just all over. It's, it's, an, it's an incredible looking view. And then we ask the question, can God lead me? Can God lead me? Yeah, he can. He can lead you to the exact spot you're supposed to be even if you've never been there. Even if you grew up in an area thousands and thousands of miles away, if you're supposed to be here at this time, he is a better leader than we are followers. And so we will be there if we're supposed to be there. I just, I love this world that we have. The micro, it's, it's so much smaller than we have. DNA polymers, 
holds all the design information for every plant and animal species ever created. <clears throat> if every last bit of that information from every book written were put on a DNA polymer, if every bit of information that's ever been done, if it would all be written about, put into a book, and then brought down on a DNA polymer, it would fit into a teaspoon. All that information can be gathered because of the, the, just the size and its ability to hold information, and yet it's so small you can't see it outside of a microscope. <clears throat> How small is small? And this is where the, 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 the physics guy said, you have to make sure you say theory. So the, the string theory, I, I did a little bit of study on the string theory, and so now I know nothing. <laughs> if you do a study on the string theory, you will know nothing. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. String, <clears throat> the string, super string, which makes up something that they, they are sure is there, but they've never seen. But they're sure it's holding everything together, but they've never seen it. And so it's a string theory of this thing that holds everything together. And so there's the, within that is super string. I just love that name, super string. And if super string is to an atom, what the atom size is to the earth. Okay? The earth going down to an atom is the same thing as an atom going down to superstring, which is holding everything together. But we can't see it. I wonder who that is. <clears throat> A single rye plant in one year, not just one year, in one small season, will grow 300, grow 300 miles of roots in a summer. 300 miles, one plant, 300 miles of roots in a summer. <clears throat> and we say, does God care about the little things in my life? Yeah, the little things mean everything to him. There's no little thing to him. There's no little thing to you. But Lord, I just love being at the ocean and looking out of the water. But honey, we don't have the money. And then suddenly something comes in. And Ralph and Wanda are going to go, and they're going to Now we have the money. We can do this thing. But we can't fly and rent, but we can get into a car that has 259,000 miles. <laughs> and we can drive it till now it almost has 262,000 miles, and it's still running. People say, why don't you get rid of that thing? Because it's still running. <laughs> <laughs> he cares about the little things. You know, they didn't call it the mountain bomb. Going, what are the mountain? They call it the atom bomb. <laughs> it was the little thing that made the largest explosion ever in the history of man. The smallest particle created the largest explosion. What small particle do you have? What tiny gift are you holding on to, putting on a shelf because you compared to somebody else? And God's going, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Rye plant, rye plant, atom bomb. David could have asked the question, Lord, because of my sin, am I disqualified? And as we've talked about last time I was here, <clears throat> grace is an amazing thing. Uh, it's, it's unmerited favor. If it were merited favor, it wouldn't be grace. It would just be me doing. But it's unmerited. I need grace. I need it always. As I said last time I was here, forgiveness covers sin, but grace invites me back to life. So David, no, you're not disqualified. As a matter of fact, David, because of the way that you responded, I'm going to do something great. There'll be consequences. You're going to reap what you've sown. You're going to reap it in your own son. You're going to, it's, that's going to be there, but I'm still going to do great things with you. And because of your, because of your heart, the Messiah is going to come through the earth. He's going to be called the son of David. Wow. But I should be blasphemed, Lord. No, 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 no. You've, you're looking at somebody else's criteria for what makes someone great. What made you great right now is you put your face on the floor and you wept. Because we're in relationship. And you're not in shame. It's because you knew that you hurt me. <clears throat> so, we have this beautiful one that just kind of waits for us all the time. I think we miss him more than we ever will know in this life 
how much we miss him in everything that's around us. <clears throat> I had someone say to me recently, actually it was uh, when I was in Toronto, not the last time, but the time before that, um, so maybe eight months ago, something like that. <clears throat> she said, she came up after a session, she goes, I just, I just can't find God <clears throat> in, in life. I said, wait a minute. When the session was over with, three people came over and you talked and they hugged and you ended up crying and someone held your face like this and talked to you. What did they say? They said they were just loving me and encouraging me. I said, do you realize that you, you just felt God's hands and kiss and heard his voice and you missed it? She goes, what do you mean? She said, all good things come from God. So if goodness has been extended to you, it started in the heart of God. God is love. God doesn't do love. God is love. So if love is expressed and, and there's affection coming your way, its initiation point, its starting point was in the heart of God. She goes, really? I said, yeah. So I came back and I was there some months later. <clears throat> she ran up to me, bright as could be. She goes, I see him everywhere. I said, you do? Where is he now? Right now, he's in you, being glad that I'm seeing him everywhere. I said, that's awesome. She said, see my friends? Yeah. They've got God all over them. I never saw him on them before. And that's what it is. And that's all I'm saying, is that he's everywhere and wants to be seen constantly. Yeah. He's not a narcissist, but he wants you to think about him all the time. <laughs> Why? Because you're better off when you think about him. You're better off when you realize there's an answer to your question. And sometimes the answer is just waiting for you in the heavens or in the grass or in the simple breeze or in the 21% oxygen. Thank you, God, that we don't have unstoppable fires. And thank you that we're not suffocating. Thank you that you made that just 21%. Adam didn't know it was 21%. David didn't know it was 21%. He just considered something and knew God was there. So just close your eyes for a second. Just want to ask the Lord to do that in all our hearts. Lord, yeah. it is a beautiful day. It is still summer. And in the winter, you clothe and blanket the earth with a beautiful whiteness. And it, it's cold, but you know what? Sometimes it's just better to sleep when it's cold. You make every season, there's a purpose behind it. So that at the end of one season, we can wait and find you in another. And so, Lord, I ask now that that the glasses that we would put on from here on in, that we'd find you and we'd see you. We'd see you in the smiling face of a friend. We'd see you in the hug of a loved one. That we would find you in the laughter of a child. That we'd feel your breeze, a gentle breeze. Maybe an angel's wings are near us. And that we would see the stars formation and know that they're more than just making sailors get to the right place at the right time. But they're for us to enjoy and to realize your vastness and your greatness and that, yes, you can handle every situation we have. And so, Lord, we put our heart and our trust and our confidence in you. Who are we that you're mindful of us? We're your sons and we're your daughters. And you made it all for us because you love us. I just thank you for new eyes to see in Jesus' name. Amen.